0: Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about going through a portal to the future so we can flash back to the present. I'm Brandon.
1: And I'm James. Today we will be remembering episode 20 of our podcast and the discussion we had about cinematic time travel in games.
0: I have had so little gaming lately. Mm-hmm. and it's been driving me a little insane I, I kind of wa- yeah. I'm kind of wondering whether at some point we should do like like long con game style that we like get mm-hmm. together and play for just hours and just crank out like a full story Um. but also I hopefully will be having that schedule change soon and so expect lots more playing getting back to that January sort of feel where I got like six games um, yeah If I am able to, I'm thinking I might try to play two games a week when I get this new schedule down. It's pretty crazy. Um, So speaking of time in which to uh, play games.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you're hilarious. (laughs) We're going to talk about time this episode, guys. And it's time to talk about that. Yeah. Or at least it was time and is now again. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll be in the future.
0: Time and time again,
1: time after time. <laughs>
0: Let's so, not sing together. <laughs> you and I are singing no. different
1: songs. I'm singing Counting Crows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had, we hit sort of hit on this a couple times before, talking about uh, ways to play with time in games. Because one of the things that I constantly run into when we when in playing pen and paper games. Is that people talk about pen and paper games being like you're what you're saying now with a group of people you're telling you're telling a story that kind of plays out like a movie and then you try to like people aim for things to be cinematic but ultimately we all sit down and for the most part play through a story sort of stream of consciousness with our characters with maybe some brief gaps but that's really not how people tell stories in movies they do a lot of things playing with time that we have flashbacks we have montages we have different things that. That, that, that like we don't always see everything that's going on with all the different characters and, and, and we cut away from our characters to jump to the next event.
0: And usually there isn't a big awkward pause when the King asks you how you would like to be rewarded after taking out the goblins.
1: Yeah. And so definitely there have been games that emphasize that, that cinematic quality and say, frame your scenes um, like they're a movie Set them up, be very cinematic, and then when the scene is done, just cut away. You don't need to like resolve the details, uh, because maybe, maybe you just want to you want to establish that your characters beat the dungeon, uh, troll, but that's not really interesting. What's interesting is the cave diving afterwards. So you do the beginning of the combat, and then just jump ahead, and then or whatever. Um,
0: there really was a time that I did just about every moment of consciousness that the characters were having
1: yeah like, i mean that's that's the like traditional DD thing you like you plan out who's going to who's going to like sit watch who's going to how's like how does the trip go are there random someone, monsters that attack you
0: until someone tells me that they leave the baron's manor my assumption is they are sitting and staying in the baron's manor and then they got to go get horses yeah. and i don't do that anymore
1: yeah, that, that that's it's a very interesting uh sort of idea that that if if the players are still talking, if the players haven't specifically said, "Hey, let's move on to the next thing," yeah. that obviously they must still be interested in the scene.
0: And they might not be. They might just be filling air so that they're not sitting awkwardly.
1: Yeah. So, and so oh, and so we wanted to talk about <sighs> um playing games and and being a little bit more cinematic about it telling stories in different ways playing with time playing with the way that time works in games and and then sort of how to take those things and incorporate them into other games we're gonna talk a little i mean kind of the way we always do talk about games that that do those things well how you could grab those mechanics and methods and pull them into other games
0: at least that's the hope we'll see we'll see if there's time
1: we'll have already seen by the end of the podcast
0: 45 minutes later uh and so that's our uh, podcast thank you so much for listening
1: so i had kind of as i was writing down some notes of this this uh this episode i had sort of framed all of our time-based conversations into one of sort of three categories um of flashbacks which is sort of going back to a previous time filling in details in earlier scenes that maybe you forgot to deal with or didn't deal with or jumping back to prior to when the campaign started, jumping back to the character's pasts Um, montages of sort of, you're still in the present, but you're jumping through a series of events quickly uh, to get to the future, but you still want to see what is happening. And, and then finally sort of time jumps of, of just advancing time to the future you're saying we're, we, here is where we're, we're going to leave our characters and then we're going to come back 10 years later we're going to come back five years later or even a day later or a week later or whatever and then what's different
0: and i think i'd also like to add into that discussion just the idea of playing with time dilation uh that we don't yeah. necessarily need to keep everything the same speed of time
1: yeah, I mean, and, and that's the kind of the thing that we talked about uh, last week, I believe, or last oh, last episode about about the the um, Dogs in the Vineyard uh, high noon duel sequences, where you sort of focus like heavy shift time dilation into the, just like the moments of that duel. And Dogs in the Vineyard is a game that isn't afraid to say this whole combat sequence is actually just the two seconds uh, before you draw. And Absolutely,
0: fire. which in a lot of ways makes more sense. A lot of the, you know, big gun combat games, Shadowrun and stuff like that, you have these round after round after round of combat going on when things are kind of quickly resolved in uh, a more realistic game.
1: I think, and I think actually the dogs in the vineyard thing sort of sets the, maybe one of the first rules we'll set down for this, which is that it should fit the genre. Yeah. that, That sort of slow motion high noon uh dueling shoot shoot off or whatever you want to call it um that's what it's called is 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 very true to that genre and so you want to do that exactly And, and so when we start to talk about flashbacks i'm just looking at this list and like almost all of these games on this list that have some sort of a mechanic for flashbacks are heist games
0: yeah definitely because I think it doesn't make sense in a lot of genres to do big flashbacks. If you are playing Dungeons and Dragons, it doesn't make sense to flashback to when you were earlier in the cave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: Maybe some flash for Ooh, we need to talk about dreams and prophecies and get out Wheel of Time and
1: Oh, uh, we might have oh, another episode here. But so like that's that is like the key tenet of the Blades in the Dark flashback system, yeah. which says don't even bother planning. Your character's planned. That's not a problem. Like they 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 are thieves, they heist, that's what they do. They planned. So just skip that planning phase because you as the player are not are not like thieves who know how to plan. So just go until you need to have planned something and then flash back to do that planning.
0: Right. And that's Blades in the Dark by John Harper, which is a game of Fantasy whale punk—it's real cool, real weird. Uh, it's if you if you've read The Lies of Locke Lamora, you're on the right track. Um, real dark and gritty and awesome. Uh, yeah, I've
1: described it as Dishonored meets uh, Ocean's Eleven.
0: Yeah, that's that seems fair to me as well. And so what that is doing is you're using flashbacks in order to avoid analysis paralysis. So. Yeah instead of spending 45 minutes deciding how you're going to get into the Tower of the Black Spider, you're instead saying, okay, so you're in the Tower of the Black Spider. And yeah. you move from there.
1: And and it also, it like I said, it's it's that classic issue of how do you play a character smarter than you are or who has mm-hmm. skills and talents that you don't have? And so when, because like the, the the what you never want to have happen is your characters get into the middle of the heist, and then you go, ah, rats, we didn't plan for this. I wish we had parked a car out back, so we could have a getaway. You, a car out back. you just say, here's some of the, the the game currency. I guess, and I think in in the <clears throat> in Blades, it's stress. Your pet, you're spending yep. your sort of health bar uh, to to establish facts in a in a flashback you you establish that you want to have parked a car, you go back in time, you play out a scene, maybe you make a role to bribe the the guy who's watching the parking lot, and then if you succeed, or you do succeed because you spent the, the points, then you establish that that was a fact that you guys did. Sort of Potions yeah. 11 style. As you're running out the back door going, ah, I wish that we had done this, you spent the point point now you did.
0: Yeah, it very much... I think it actually does a really good job capturing that feel of Uh the four people standing around a table going, and this is how we're going to get in, and then just showing the scene as it happens. Yeah. That was a really bad Jason Statham, by the way. Like a really (laughs) bad Jason Statham.
1: That's okay. That's okay. Um, And so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you totally derailed me with that accent. I'm sorry. Where was I? Where was I going? Oh, uh, I was going to say that this sort of touches again on the conversation we had last week about who has narrative control and sort of controlling narrative control and and yeah. uh, and so you're saying that the more because I think there's actually a tier of. In, in Blades in the Dark, there's different tiers of flashbacks. There's establishing that you have a piece of equipment or establishing that you bribed someone, that you did a skill check, or having like a whole combat saying that, no, in fact, there isn't a guard there because you killed them previously because you had a combat. And, and, and those things cost different amounts. The more you're meddling with time, the more you're going back and saying you planned this, the more they cost.
0: Yeah, and there's other games that also have similar sorts of feels to it. Um, Knight's Black Agents by Kenneth Height has the preparedness stat, which essentially allows you to say exactly that same thing, your character's level of preparedness, you make a roll.
1: It's interesting because it's also, like, one of the things that I I didn't do but I considered doing when we played Blades in the Dark was playing a character, uh, let me back up and just say, allowing flashbacks and allowing them as a sort of narrative mechanic allows you the opportunity to have a player play a character who doesn't participate in the actual heist itself and Mm. only participates in the setup through flashbacks. And so when we played Blades in the Dark, I played a character who was sort of the mad scientist, and ultimately I brought the character on the heists. But in theory, I could have sat back and said, my character isn't actually going on the heist. But I'm in. But I'm gonna spend all of my my stress, all of all of my my time, all of my dice rolling in flashbacks, preparing equipment, being the cue to the rest of the group as James Bonds. Yeah, and we just would keep having those scenes of of me saying, "And like here's a scene where I designed the perfect piece of equipment to get you out of this problem."
0: Yeah, that is a cool sort of mechanic. And I think it, it sidesteps one of the big issues that some of the older heist games had. That you yeah. have things like Shadowrun, where you have the rigger, who has a really cool car. And he drives you up to the front of the building with the car. And he waits in the van and keeps the heat running.
1: Yeah. I mean, even in something that isn't a heist game, but like that's the problem we always ran into when we wanted to play Firefly. Because you always want to have the character who's Kaylee, who's the engineer, who's in the back of the ship. But what do they actually do during combat? Or what do they actually do when the rest of the group is out doing stuff? And how do you incorporate what a sort of support character is doing in scenes where it doesn't make sense for them to be there?
0: Well, she gets a romantic subplot, of course.
1: Right. And so you either just jump (laughs) away or you say... Uh, during the crazy, the crazy chase scene where the pilot and the captain are doing most of the the rolling and, and interacting with the GM, you say, "Oh, and here's where, and let's just a quick flashback to when Kaylee fixed the engine earlier, or put in a uh, a boost, or filled the engine with Nos,
0: just right to the top, Nos all the way down.
1: And we replaced all the fuel, Nos. Yeah, exactly. but yeah, and so I think that's the, the, I think it's the, interesting uh, romantic for...
0: subplot with Nos.
1: <laughs> really, really gets her going. Um, yeah, it's it's, and so I think it, I think taking that that <laughs> this sort of breaks the first rule I said or, or earlier on of playing of making sure it fits the genre, but it does like allow you to take that trope from heist games and pull them into pull the flashback style storytelling into other games to fit in characters that you would otherwise not be able to play. Yeah, I can see that. And then, um, and then, as long as you have a mechanic, just not not a, not a character mechanic, but a, a like a game mechanic, uh, to that is a currency they can spend in place of of what of something in, to to spend and buy narrative control over the flashbacks, then you have a way to incorporate that into the game.
0: So I think flashbacks also, I think, kind of in the same way you were saying that they are valuable in terms of setting up uh, setting things up during instead of before, which is tends to be kind of boring is you can also use that in some games with more of a political intrigue sort of thing. I'm just thinking of any any high drama TV show that you watch that's like you know, like Mm -hmm. your Gossip Girls that the, the things go on and things go badly and then Someone is standing there and he's like, oh, but I've got the key. And they didn't show him getting the key. It's feasible he has the key. And then they give, like, maybe a little flashback where they show it. And that is kind of what I have flashbacks for in Pasión de las Pasiones. Because uh-huh. telenovelas, needless to say, are filled with flashbacks. Um, but it's more to push an emotional aspect of the game. And more to push a, rather than just, how did we manage to do this? It's a way to hit specific narrative beats. A way to have that Mm. moment where the character, that it's surprising to everybody that the character has the key to get in. And it's important emotionally for somebody. I think there's Mm. a lot of things you can do with flashbacks in... Terms of their emotional narrative. Uh, the example yeah. I'd go to as potentially the most interesting is how Grant Howitt did it in One Last Job. Uh, mm-hmm. One Last Job is a uh. heist, is another heist game, <laughs> but instead of using flashbacks to show you bribing a guard, a lot of the flashbacks being used are ways where you're showing. What went wrong back when the last mission went wrong? Mm-hmm. And so a core piece of it is like, look, remember we had this big fight; things were terrible, and that's where the core emotional narrative is. Yeah, you tend not to play those scenes so much as just make reference to them, mm-hmm. but there's definitely like description of the scene happening.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely. Um, I was looking up some like guidelines for how to actually write flashbacks into scripts and and the one thing i sort of saw over and over again and and remembered from uh, I, i studied film in school uh was just that the flashbacks even though they are in the past they need to be they need to be doing something important moving the plot forward
0: that they should have an effect on what's going on it should be something that is legitimately changing the scene right now
1: and and it doesn't and i think the the one last job example is, is a good is a good example of it, it doesn't have to be the blades in the dark style of li- literally changing something as much as it can be informing the group and the players about the the character's past in the way yeah. that informs the decisions they're about to make in the in the present.
0: Yeah, when you have the two characters that are like squeezed together in a tiny air shaft and then someone brings up the fact that they used to be together back before things went wrong. Mm-hmm. That abruptly changes the entire tenor of the scene.
1: Yeah, I wonder if you could play off of that and just use it as a as a pacing mechanic. Hmm. Um, and sort of, if you'll hang with me here. Um,
0: no, no, so I'm like on ma- board.
1: Masks. The masks. The game
0: published by Magpie Games. It is a teenage superhero game.
1: Uh, it encourages you to start your adventure in a combat scene right. to sort of get get the action moving get people familiar with the, the mechanics and and just sort of and, and get get a story hook going because it's sort of easy to just develop that quickly and then you just play out the rest of the sequence but I wonder if you couldn't do that for even sort of non-combat focused games or stories and just sort of take a really high tension scene and and start all the characters in the middle of that high, like high tension, high stress scene, to sort of get the characters in the thick of it. Get the players used to their character. Get the yeah. Get the players used to their characters quickly. Get things moving. Start establishing facts, and then as you need to, step back and flash back to previous times, where like like you could. St- I mean, this is a, this is a combat example, but you could start with your 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 dungeon heroes on the fortieth floor of the tower, working on their way up. And then once you've sort of figured out through that play why they're even there, you jump back and do a scene where they're hired by someone to go to the tower.
0: I could see this even being used in kind of like a Monster of the Week style game. Um, In Monster of the Week, you have a cold open Mm -hmm. where one player plays the soon-to-be victim for just a little brief amount of time and is then killed. Then the screen flashes with the words Monster of the Week and directed by and then you move forward to the characters and have the characters arriving in the small town in their beat-up car and you're into a Monster of the Week game. And so like, yeah. it's just changing when that happened. There's no reason mm-hmm. you couldn't start with them at the end where everything went wrong.
1: Yeah, and then flashback to all the things... Got you there. Do that two weeks earlier. Exactly. I was going to say
0: the the six hours earlier is classic.
1: I think it's an interesting way to play with with expectations and and then and then you have to obviously like if you're doing a very like play to find out what happened style game, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that you've established an end fact of where the characters are and how the the positions they're in and, and figure out how they get there through those roles.
0: I mean, part of that might just be making deals with the players. Like, telling them, look, these are the facts that we have established. If you can make those facts happen, if you make those facts happen through the narrative, then guess what? You get to mark experience. Ah, that brings you close to leveling up.
1: Yeah, I wonder if you couldn't do something interesting with that. Like, say, you've established the fact that at the end your characters are grizzled and like the one character has an eye patch. Yeah. And then at some point during the game, they have to buy the eye patch. Like they have to, they have to um, like they maybe that. And with that comes a, a negative to accuracy because they don't have one eye or whatever. Um, <laughs> depending on what kind of game we're talking about. But like <laughs> it, there's some sort of like, if, it, or maybe a better example is like they've lost an arm. And so at some point you have to decide when is my character going to lose an arm? Because maybe I'm, I'm I'm taking a a negative from that point forward because I'm I can't dual wield anymore because I don't have that second arm to hold the sword, but but I, I have to do it at some point, and maybe now I can do it in a way that's advantageous to get us out of a situation.
0: Yeah, that could make sense.
1: You could do a I wonder if you could do a whole diceless barter system. Where there's no dice and resolution mechanics are just taking all the grizzled, like uh, taking from the list of grizzled facts you established about your character at the where they of where they're ending, but then jump back to the beginning of the story.
0: You could even set that up within like a dream sequence. At the beginning, mm-hmm. have like some sort of oracle that talks to you. Have each player say a horrible thing that is going to happen to a character. <laughs> and then kind of claim those things through play.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, claiming is a much better word for what that, that process looks like. But yeah, so that's... Is there anything else you wanted to say about flashbacks? Um... I mean, we I mean, could I always th- just come back to them later. Yeah, I think... <laughs> nice. But <laughs> do uh,
0: I think the core thing is just making sure that they are meaningful in some way. That's something that I actually think is lacking in Pasión de las Pasiones, and I still need to work on, is a lot of times someone will say... Hey, remember that time when this happened, or like remember yeah. the the promise you made to me, and then we flash back, and it's like, why did we flash back? She could have just told him.
1: Yeah. So, I and need I think, to tighten up the, that move. I think the key to finding that in your game and balancing it is decide is is sort of what is the purpose of the flashback. If it's just to enlighten people about the characters, then then there's no there's no maybe there isn't a need for like a uh, like a point buy, or a cost for the flashback, and but you should just be very like very excuse me very pointed very concise about it. Yeah. But if it is like I'm trying, I'm trying to establish a fact, then balance that narrative mm-hmm. control with point system. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe real quick as a tag at the end that you can just sort of insert um, flashbacks as into mechanics that already exist. Like the fact that you have in fate, you can establish facts with fate points. And so if the fact you're establishing is something that could just be a flashback, just do a quick flashback scene and say, that's how you know that there's like, if you want to establish there were security cameras, then flashback to your characters installing the security cameras and now like in the in fate it's just a you establish the fact they were there, but you can make it a flashback.
0: I was actually thinking just a similar sort of I was sort of thinking a similar thing with dogs in the vineyard, actually, that you're like doing your thing and you look down and you have the the aspect of my daddy taught me how to ride horses. And in that moment, you can just do a little mini flashback in your own discussion. You don't need to do it as a full scene with another person. Just, Mm -hmm. like, have a far-off look in your eyes while X, Y, and Z happens.
1: Yeah. And speaking of X, Y, and Z, let's move on to montages. Nice. And then, uh, so in the next
0: scene, James is talking about montages, and Brandon is, like, pumping his fist trying to get him to talk more about montages. And then they're, they're both drinking a lot of water. Yep. Yeah. Have you actually ever done a montage in a game? I haven't. I have. I love them and I want to do more of them. Um, I like using montages instead of combat for things mm-hmm. I don't care about the combat for.
1: Yeah, I do like that. But...
0: That I think fits I... especially well for like masks or something like that. Some other superhero game.
1: Yeah. Um and I know we have talked a little bit before about how to like how to make that snappy and how to make cuz like the key thing with the montage yeah. is that you're trying to take you're going to get from point A to point B. And you know that you need to establish a whole bunch of facts. Rocky is an okay boxer and he needs to be a better boxer. So there's all these things that need to happen and we need to advance time a little bit. And when you do it quickly, <clears throat> but but we don't want to see every single thing. We don't also want to just jump ahead to him being a better boxer because that feels cheap. We don't yeah. see him gain we don't have to see him like struggling to drink raw eggs because that's part of the the cost he spends to become a better boxer and like training out in the cold and stuff like that.
0: There is actually one montage that hit really 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 well for me. Ooh. I don't know if I've talked about it on air already. Um, So this is a little different. It was for a game called Found Footage by uh, Vera Vertanian, And we had a scene that was like a bunch of cut-together pieces of film, like in a Found Mm -hmm. Footage horror movie. And each of us just said a single line and then moved on. And it was so good. Mm -hmm. Was there any mechanical
1: backing to that? Or did you just just do it as a social thing?
0: uh, We had... There was a card on the table that said that we were doing a uh, time lapse and mm-hmm. a card on the table that said we were doing little brief snippets of film. Okay. So we did basically a little wordless montage with characters saying, like, you know, saying this is what you see. And yeah. it was it was intense. It was scary and awesome. Uh, and I want to see that more. And I think that is maybe the best way to do it is letting people know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Because we all oh. we all four of us knew what was about to happen because we decided that that's what we were going to do and say, said, like, in a sentence or two, what is the clip? And then we just yeah. jumped around.
1: Yeah, I had sort of, in thinking about how you would do this in a game, I actually thought, I have written down in my notes, James's multi-person reflections inspired dice pool mechanic. <laughs> and to explain that a little bit, my thought was, you could do it like a, a mini game of reflections, where you establish maybe a, a, a goal or a series of goals. And then as, as you're going around the, the table, people are talking about what's going on for their characters in the different montage scenes. Okay. if the, the if that scene hits a goal or hits one of the goals one of the things you're trying to accomplish or your character is trying to accomplish then you get a dice and then everyone is just getting dice quickly like maybe the GM is handing out dice as the as everyone's going around and like you don't necessarily have to be laying things out uh, quickly. And if you don't have a good idea for where your character is going or you want to have a scene that doesn't fit your goal, but it's just the perfect thing, you throw it out there. And then at the end, everyone has a pool of dice. You all like freeze frame high five and then (laughs) and then at the top of the at the top of the stairs and then roll all the dice and then you get a dice roll. And that tells you like how like how your character came out of it, how much did they improve? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um. I've always kind of viewed montage as being largely, largely just narrative, and yeah, I, part of that is that I don't have an enormous amount of uh, advancement in my games.
1: Yeah, and, and I was just sort of I, I agree. Basically, I think that they are a storytelling device that doesn't need to necessarily be backed up by a mechanic. But I think that if you are if you're if you're doing it in like the found footage game where you're just trying to tell an interesting story, yeah. that's fine. But if you're doing it as part of a, like a D&D game where you do want your character right. to like come away with a with a skill three in, in in performance versus a skill two in performance, well, then there needs to be something that tells how well you... How, like if you're trying to do a, a montage to increase that performance skill, you need to have some sort of a role to, to balance it out and tell you how much you improved.
0: So this montage that you're talking about is actually the characters trying to put on a play. Yeah. Okay.
1: And running around. That's and a, at the end, you all roll. That's an excellent way to montage. <laughs> and, then see how, and then based off of the roll you get, you see how much each of the characters improve in performance.
0: Okay, I can see that. That could be really cool.
1: Um, now I want to play a D&D game where everyone is bards and they're just putting on plays.
0: You have always wanted to play that. That is nothing new.
1: I know. Well, I wanted to play a, a D&D game where every character was a bard and they were in a band as yeah. part of a, a Battle of the Bands. <laughs> battle of the Bards. Sometime I'll have to tell people about my all-bards-all-the-time world. I have a whole fantasy setting that I really want to play in that is all-bards. Just bards. All, all Just bards. So I actually,
0: what I want to see with Montage is taking this real hardcore in a comic book setting. Okay. And just have people describing comic book panels.
1: One after the other after the other. Especially for like a masks game.
0: Yeah, yeah. We need to play more masks. I have so many ideas for masks. Is it time for us to time jump? Dun dun dun. Later in the episode. So here we are in our 150th episode, revisiting time, flashing back to the time jump discussion we had in episode 20.
1: Yeah, it feels like years ago.
0: Yeah, this was while you still had a corporeal body.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It feels like forever that I've just been living in this microphone.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Crazy.
1: (laughs) <laughs> um. so time jumps yes I think that they we may need to um, so we may need to break this into two categories or three categories okay and that is a short term time jump okay. where we're sort of just saying let's jump a month in advance because like in between Blades in the Dark adventures you jump a period of time because you just you're you want to put some space t- between the different adventures you're not realistically pulling a heist every week versus something like you're jumping uh like years in the future we're talking about now the characters are old or um we, we want to play a little bit of regular x-men but now we want to jump forward to old man logan and tell that story for a little while um and see oh, what's happening. happened age of apocalypse Yep, yes. and then, and then third, the third version would be <laughs> some kind of a a weird time dilationy thing where maybe the characters aren't aging, but the world around them is progressing. Um, fantasy characters are always getting stuck in time vaults and coming out, or sci-fi, I guess, um, like superhero characters are always getting stuck in time vaults and coming out later. Heroes are coming back from the past to warn their parents that this event is about to occur or um, they're getting trapped in a battle with an ancient wizard who's messing around with time and so you can do things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually a coming back to masks for just a second one of that those new playbooks is a um, is a time traveler that turned into a dark gritty hero in the present. So like you play the teenage, the naive teenage mm-hmm. version of this dark, gritty hero, and I want to play that so badly.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I think that there are so there's two things. So the so I guess if you're if you're just trying to do a short-term time jump, you're basically saying for the same reasons that we would have other had otherwise done a montage, we need to jump forward in a period of time. We're kind of stuck here. We need to get to the next event so that something cool can happen. But the characters aren't really changing. They're not really advancing. They're not really gaining a skill. They're not really becoming different people. So we're just going to just jump ahead. I yeah, don't think that, that really. Requ- sorry. Doesn't ahead. really require. It doesn't really really require a mechanic. There's nothing. There's nothing going on. We're just sort of like. I think it's. I think it's just important to not be afraid to just advance the plot.
0: Right at the end of November, you get rid of the vampire coven, and things are quiet in the city for three months. That's okay. There's nothing you really need yeah. to do about that.
1: Yeah. If you were, uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I like the idea of jumping, uh, about jumping like far in the future, um, especially in, I, I, um, it just, it opens up if, if you've hit a rut where you are in your game, or if you've played out a lot of the stories and you want to just radically change things. I mean, you can always come back too. That's the other interesting yeah. thing. Sort of, you could have a continued flashback, but you want to do that sort of old man Logan world where you say things have gotten grittier, things have changed. Let's see how the characters play as older people, um, and you'd want some kind of a mechanic to say this is the this this was what the character was like when they were young. But here are, like, the truths about the character in their old form, in their, in their time-jumped... Like, like Logan is always, like, bitter and grizzled, but in the future he's, like, super bitter and grizzled. And he doesn't use his claws anymore because his powers are starting to deteriorate, or whatever the heck the story of that movie is going to be and um, the comic. Um, and, and so that's, like, you can say, here are the things that are no longer true of my character, here are some things that are changing about my character... Maybe it's a new playbook, or maybe I've picked up a new a new like move from a different playbook, or I've got some different aspects or whatnot. Um, and it's a way to mix up what the character is, so you're not just doing the same thing mechanically over and over and over again.
0: James, now I super want to play Masks, and then a superhero game that's like regular adult superheroes, mm-hmm. and then old man superheroes. Just like right one after the other.
1: Or yeah, maybe in yeah. the
0: opposite order.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a thing that we've talked about a little bit with with uh, our, our home gaming group. Is we're, we're playing yep. a game of, of Urban Shadows. My character is an angel who is heralding the oncoming apocalypse. Because, spoilers to the players, we're going to go play Apocalypse World at some point. Because there has been an apocalypse. And so at some point, we'll we'll have to, like, advance time a little bit and take a look at what our new world looks like now that there's been an apocalypse.
0: And be able to pull things back also and play different eras. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Have you read Undying by Paul Riddle? I haven't. Ooh, it is an interesting one. Um, So it is a diceless urban fantasy uh, game. Well, not Uh even really urban fantasy, more like gothic fantasy. Okay. That you are vampires or demons or other immortal beasts.
1: Oh, that does sound familiar.
0: Yeah, it has a night and day cycle that during the day cycle, uh, decades or centuries or Mm -hmm. however long you want can go by. And then during the night cycle, you get out and you murder the king of the city and you take over and stuff like that. It's very politically based, a lot of like moving up and down control of the vampire society. But you can play, you can start it as early as you'd like. You could start the game in ancient Egypt and have a day phase that gets you to the 1920s if you wanted to. Probably makes more sense to have a couple of stops along the way. Mm hmm but it lets you just like jump around and change the scenery and maintain the same power struggle because the majority of the people that matter are immortal.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. That's kind of like, um, solving some of the problems that I've had with microscope where you, like the big picture stuff is really interesting, but when you want to focus in on a scene, you're, you're playing new characters every time and stuff like that. And so it always feels a little odd, but if you had characters who were the focus, and you're sort of jumping ahead in time a little bit and focusing in on them. What are they doing now? That's really interesting.
0: I'd love to play some and It's definitely on my list of games to play. Yeah, I'm also interesting. It's a 2017 game.
1: Also interesting that when you rearrange the letters in Paul Riddle's name, it spells Lord Voldemort.
0: Yeah, that is a weird thing, isn't it?
1: <laughs> but getting yeah. on to maybe <laughs> the last thing. So, um, on the category of James's weird science science fiction games that I've. I have like maybe six of that I'm working on. Yes, um,
0: can I can I tell the listeners what I'm looking at right now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> because uh, we we work on these uh, outlines together, and we kind of goof around with it and like put different things in. Each of us puts our own thoughts. Um, James wrote James's space love game, mm-hmm. and I have no idea which of the five or six space games he means by this because none of them
1: fit <laughs> that description and, and and maybe it's possible this is a game i haven't told you about okay but for a Good. period of time and 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 now i need to go back because i have because just in having this conversation i've been working through some thoughts about flashbacks and stuff like that and time uh, issues and games and I've, I've had this idea for a two-person game uh for a while probably since i started talking to to jeff Sormer. The king of two-player games.
0: And host of Party of One. And friend of the show. Wonderful guy.
1: And the idea being you play a couple who are in love. Maybe they're married. Maybe they're dating. What uh, The specifics of that doesn't really matter. They're in a relationship. But one of them is a like an ice hauler. Oh. And so they have to go out at relativistic speeds to the... the um, the, like, the, the asteroid belts are out to the ice mine, uh, ice mines, somewhere out in like Saturn's rings or something like that, and then come back. And so we're playing out a series of scenes between the two characters where one of them is staying the same age and the other is getting older.
0: Yes, you have told me about this game. That, I think, has a lot of potential. I think any time, time travel has a lot of potential yeah. in games, and people avoid it, it because might... it's scary.
1: Yeah, and so... And I, I I don't know how I want to do it, and this is why I keep I keep like I want I had that concept, and and I'm gonna to have to revisit it now that I have some more thoughts about it. But I like the idea that you have a character who is just growing older, but and the other one is sort of staying the same, but they're both having experiences separate from each other, but they always come back when the one character is in port around Earth or whatever in dock around Earth, and they're still in love, and their 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 relationship is sort of subsisting through this 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 trouble they're having, and and then I you have to at some point get to some conclusion where the one character is not gonna keep living because so much time has passed, and the the ice hauler is is still there, and and so probably the final scene is them alone or that that, that character alone, but how do you? How do, you, how do you make a character that feels like they're aging? How do you decide what is happening happened to these characters? Um, it definitely needs some kind of a dice roll to determine how many years have passed. Some things that have happened to the characters. Um, help establish facts. Um, and that's the closest thing I've come to. I've really been trying to play with games where there's time advancing, but maybe not at the same speed for different characters.
0: Okay, hear me out. I have a thought. Uh it involves ice. Yeah. So you make a tray Ooh. of ice, right? Twelve ice cubes. Uh-huh. Uh one of the players has just six ice cubes with them. In like a cup. That's mm-hmm. that's the one who's gonna be ice road trucking. Um okay. his ice is gonna melt very slowly. Uh Other player has two cups in front of them one of them has water in it like just regular cool water Mm -hmm. and the other has a hot beverage okay uh when the scene is midway through the scene the player who was visited the player who was on earth and is aging takes one of the ice cubes and puts it into either the hot beverage, or the regular water.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: or maybe maybe even not at specific points and scenes, maybe just as play goes on. When mm-hmm. there are moments, like when they have moments that lead towards a happy ending, and the uh, ice space ice trucker staying there, they put it into the water cup. When yeah. it has scenes that mean that they're going to continue being out there in the black you put it into the hot tea
1: Hmm.
0: and when you run out of ice cubes that's that's the the game Mm -hmm. and if there's if there are x number of ice cubes still left in the cool water then the person is still alive
1: yeah i like that that's interesting i like the the ice cubes I
0: feel like that has that, some potential.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, don't work that out. Let's do that. Down. Yeah, let's make this. Um, yeah. Man, so we've had a lot of thoughts about... Um, did you have anything else? Did you want to talk about time jumps?
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's cool to play with it. I, re- I remember in fourth edition of D&D, there was a character class that... Or like a, a F- epic destiny or something... That you could have, when you hit zero HP, a version of yourself that's like twenty years older and way more powerful, and but kind of like uh, grade and a little little tired, bursts through a portal and saves your life. <laughs> that's cool, and that's so cool. And I, like, <clears throat> I think people avoid time travel because there is wacky stuff, mm-hmm. but like one of my Favorite stories of all time, like possibly my favorite narrative that has been told, is the future. Well, I was actually gonna say is from Misfits, Uh, which has an incredible time travel thing that I love so much, and it's so sad. So, yeah, make time do time travel, make it sad, Mm -hmm. and jump forward in non time travel ways, also because Age of Apocalypse means then you can flashback and have alternate realities. Yep. And every game should be Marvel.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, or end with Flashpoint. Yep. And the Flash has gone back in time and messed up everything. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder if you could do an interesting, like... um, mm, An interesting, like... Anytime you you need to accomplish something, and I say, oh man, I really wish that Brandon was a an ice wizard not a fire wizard because right now we're in like the fire pits I wish he was an ice wizard and then spend some th- some facts and chain- and I get to change your character a little bit and the whole game is just character. the players constantly tweaking each other's characters in different ways <laughs> as they like get to go back in time and mess with, with each other's history
0: that would be kind of awesome
1: <laughs> it would be very chaotic
0: it'd be very chaotic that would devolve so quickly too
1: yeah but something to think about yeah so I think we need to wrap up
0: I think we do too I think we're about at that time
1: so uh, so thank you for for joining us or having had joined us on this little time-based adventure
0: you can talk in your present with our future selves yes. on Twitter at stop hack and roll or individually at Dr. Captain Cobold
1: and I will have had been at End of the Meltdowns.
0: Assuming that nothing catastrophic happens in the montage that's right about to happen after this episode, we will have a website at StopHackAndRoll.com, we're on G, and we're on Facebook
1: yep and you can i don't have a time joke for this anymore but you can email us at james or brandon at stop hack and roll
0: if you'd like to chat with us in a less structured environment we also now have a discord which is at tinyurl.com shrdiscord and tons of awesome games are being made there all the time
1: yeah we had a crazy chat with today uh right before we sat down to record this episode with taylor of riverhouse games about uh, mashups and this continuing quest that we are all on to make a a mashup-themed game and that uh, will very likely be a future episode of this show.
0: Yeah, almost definitely. Stop, Hack, and Roll is fully listener-supported. We make this podcast with the support of our wonderful Patreon backers like Rob Abrazado, Evan Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Riverhouse Games, Rob Harvey... Robert Kosick, Stephen Mitchell, Clark Nicholas, Troy Pickleman, and Ryan.
1: My friend Ryan, who didn't put his last name when he backed us on Patreon. If you'd like to help support this show and all future shows, check us out on Patreon at patreoncom stop We've, we've, <laughs> I guess we've blown through all of our current goals in a in a whirlwind. Uh, you guys really um, beat all of our wildest dreams. So we're still working on coming up with new goals. Hopefully by the time this episode actually posts, we'll have a couple, at least one new goal and some new rewards and some things we're working towards.
0: And just thank you. Thank you guys so much. Like, it means so much. And we're so happy to have this community. We're so lucky to be a part of this community. So as you're sprinting up the stairs to your parked DeLorean where you know that old man Logan is standing guard... Given that you made sure that he had the keys in a previous flashback, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll.
1: I'm just gonna keep making mouth noises. Damn it, way to ruin my way to ruin my bit. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not including any of this.